everybody uh it's kyle here and just kyle uh here with the mouse madness podcast we're taking a break from the brackets uh because uh life gets busy and we need to fill in a show here in between brackets as chris gets into the heat of the baseball rush so i'm happy to be here to do a solo show uh and i'm actually very excited for this show because it's going to be a listener mail show I solicited a bunch of questions over on our Instagram, at Pod, and a bunch of followers responded. And they gave me a bunch of questions, Disney-related, not Disney-related, and I'm super stoked to answer them. So uh, right off the top, let's go ahead and just get some housekeeping stuff out of the way. Uh, You know where to find us on social media, out at Pod across all of the socials. Uh, If you want to be a part of Jerry's Gang, which is our Patreon community, where you can get video episodes, you can get the bonus episodes of of our show. We do uh, two shows every single month that are separate from the brackets and more of just kind of a discussion or trip report, yada, yada. Uh, Those go up over there. And you get access to our trivia. Uh, For just the $5 a month, you can join us. We do four trivias, virtual trivias a year. Uh, It's super fun. We have prizes for the first, second, and third place winners. So uh, we'd really encourage you to go find us over at patreon.com slash mouse madness. All right, a couple more housekeeping items before I dive into these questions. And there's quite a few questions and I'm excited about it. So number one, uh, for those who are part of our Jerry's Gang community or those looking to become a part of our Jerry's Gang community, uh, Spotify and Patreon teamed up the biggest team up ever. Uh, And they integrated a Patreon-specific Spotify feed. So what that means is that now that we uh, post our bonus shows twice a month over to Jerry's Gang, patrons can get that as a specific feed over on Spotify. And if you're not part of Patreon, you can still see that feed and subscribe to it, but you have to unlock it through Spotify by becoming a patron. So if you're like, I don't really want to do all of the other Patreon stuff. I don't really care about video episodes. I don't really care about trivia, but I do want the bonus content, audio content anyways. You can do that through Spotify. Uh, So go ahead and check out the link that is in the show notes. Uh, That will bring you directly to that patron-only feed. And if you're a patron, all you have to do is link your Spotify to your Patreon account. And if you're not a part of Jerry's gang, you can go ahead and sign up through the Spotify flow and then have access to that feed. So that makes it super easy for those of you who listen on Spotify. And while we're here in Jerry's gang, a super important announcement, so listen up. Trivia, summer trivia, we finally have landed on a date. That's going to be September 17th. That's a Sunday at 7 p.m. We wanted as many S's as we possibly could get in there. So let me say that again. Sunday, September 17th at 7 p.m., Pacific Standard Time. 
that's going to be our next virtual Disney trivia night. We have three or four rounds of trivia. We have three prizes for the first, second, and third place winners. It's going to be a ton of fun. If you are interested in joining, but don't necessarily want to commit to the long-term $5 a month, you can join for September and then cancel right after trivia is done. So you just pay the five bucks to join us for a night of trivia. Uh, The $5 really helps us put this on, really helps us with our hosting fees, really helps with our equipment so that we can bring the best quality that we can. So super helpful. September 17th at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time is the next Jerry's Gang virtual Disney trivia night. It's going down. We cannot wait to see you all. Okay. So as I said at the top, I solicited questions from our Instagram followers, instagram.com slash mousemadnesspod, to just hit me with some questions, some uh, podcast-related questions, some Disney-related questions, and we got to quiet the turnout. (laughs) And I'm super excited to dive into this. So uh, I, I will go ahead and get started with some Some of them. Some people gave me multiple questions. Those will be a little bit more of like a lightning round situation. Uh, and the, for the folks that gave me the one or that requires a little bit more diving in, I'll go ahead and do that. So we start off here right off the top with a question from Sarah Kate, who is a former guest host on the podcast. Uh, and she is dating one of my best friends. She says, what are you most excited to experience in Disney now? This question comes from somebody who's about to join us on our Walt Disney World trip that Chris and I are taking in October. So she's going to be there for the latter half of it. Uh, she's going to be there with her boyfriend who has not committed. So Sebastian, Sarah Kate, turn this on for Sebastian. Sebastian, go, go ahead and join us. Just called you out on the pod. Go ahead and join us on this Walt Disney World trip. It's going to be super fun. So when she says Disney, she's referring to Walt Disney World uh, because that's what they do. That's what those Disney World people do. It's not just Walt Disney World. It's not Disney World. You go into Disney. So what am I excited to experience in Disney? Uh, A few things, actually, Sarah Kate. Number one, I'm excited to experience some of the Walt Disney World exclusive things, you know, like the stuff that I can't find here on the West Coast. I'm talking Everest. I'm talking the big boy castle. I'm talking the Tower of Terror, the OG Tower of Terror. I'm talking Toy Story Land. I know that that exists in the international parks, but don't exist here. So I'm excited to dive into that as well. And Animal Kingdom in general, you know, that like just some of those very much East Coast specific things that I don't get to experience on this side. I'm really excited to to check out. I'm also excited to, I, I don't know, drink around the world. We might do it in some fashion. We might not do the whole thing, uh, but I'm excited to see Epcot. I'm excited to go from pavilion to pavilion and test out what they've got as a spoonful of sugar out there. Super stoked for that. And then the third thing is that I'm just really excited to experience something Disney-related for the very first time again. It's been a, a long time since I've experienced something Disney-related for the very first time. Uh, especially in the parks realm, right? Like I, I've been going to Disneyland for you know all of my life, and so I've never been able to recreate that moment of my first look at the castle, or walking down Main Street for the first time, or going on Pirates for the first time. So it's gonna be really cool to do that for you know first time for me since I went to Tokyo Disney Sea 
back in 2019, which was the first time I stepped into a new park. So all of these are going to be new for me. I haven't been to Walt Disney World at all, none of the parks. So I'm excited just to have that first experience, excitement, the anxieties, the the fresh perspective on some of the things that maybe Disney World people take advantage of, you know? So super excited to check that out. Thank you for your question, Sarah Kate. And I'm super stoked to see you out in Florida. All right. Question number two comes from my wife, Nina. And she asks, how many little green aliens would fit in your mouth? To which I say probably none, because those are big teddy bear sized boys, right? Like in the film, they're not super small aliens. They're not like keychain aliens. They're like big kind of like squeaky toy aliens. So not many would fit in my mouth. And also, I don't want any in my mouth. So there's your answer, Nina. Thanks for writing in. All right. Number three. comes from Alyssa, another former guest host with their partner, Eric. They often come on for shows that that have to do with some sort of animal or situation that Eric can bring their science background into. Uh, And so Alyssa asks two questions, actually. Number one, would you ever do a missed the dance bracket? And I think that's actually a fascinating idea. We talk about all of these films, characters, subjects that don't make our regular show dance at the beginning of every bracket. And a lot of those are just powerhouse Disney things. So I wonder, you know, like, what's the best thing, best Disney thing that has missed the dance in the history of Mouse Madness? That's one, that is one stat, that is one analytic that I don't think Chris took note of (laughs) in his, in his hundred bracket recap that Jerry's gang got to listen to but that would be an interesting thing like what is the best thing that missed the bracket and are there things that have missed brackets more than once and does that mean that they rank higher in the bracket because they missed it more and it's also like what is the best Disney thing to miss the bracket or like what is the best miss the bracket thing like what is something that definitely deserved to to miss it and so then are we talking about like the worst of that bracket? We've done those before, right? The worst, I think it was, let me see, worst Disneyland attraction, worst Disney character, worst Star Wars character from episode one. And those are always super confusing. It's like mental gymnastics attempting to talk about what is the worst thing or or is it the best worst thing? Like are, what's the best out of these worst things? It, it, Mind bending. So do a miss the dance bracket, uh, I think would be really interesting. It's definitely a jumping off point. uh, And it's something that I think that I would bring back to Chris. If he listens to this, then Chris, there's an idea for us. And if you if you don't, because I don't blame you, I will (laughs) I will bring it up. So, uh, yeah, that's my answer. I think we should. We just got to figure out like what how we're going to fine tune that bad boy. Second question here is uh, what Disney characters would you put in a cage fight and who would you bet on? You know, I thought about this and I thought, you know, do I put like my least favorite characters into a cage match or do I put like my least favorite character up against 
one of my favorite characters that I know will annihilate them, right? Do I put in Olaf versus Barbosa? <laughs> and, and Barbosa is just, you know, absolutely destroying Olaf. Or do I put, you know, Olaf versus name other bad side character here, right? And just have them battle it out because I obviously don't like Olaf a ton, just like Chris. But then I was like, nah, I think I want like an interesting matchup. I want a matchup of two people who I think instinctually would know how to battle in this cage match, uh, who are athletic, who would really be in there and put on a good show. And granted, I'm not, I don't like fighting. I don't like watching fighting. I don't like watching boxing. Like I don't, I don't partake in those types of events. But if I did, you know, I got to go Tarzan versus Quasimodo. You know, I have to go Tarzan from the jungle versus Quasimodo from Notre Dame. Those two just have that instinctual athleticism to them that have been forced upon them by their environments. And I think that makes for a really even playing field when you have something like a cage in which these people can kind of climb. I think about the the Tobey Maguire first Spider-Man movie when he gets put into that cage fight, but he's able to like climb around the cages. Like that's what I imagine happening here. They're swinging from bar to bar. They're, and no one has the higher ground because they can both do that. They're also both super strong. They've both carried humans by one arm while the other arm is keeping them tied to whatever they're trying to climb. Super, super strong. And they both have that super instinctual fighting uh, pattern that is a lot of like dodging and swinging. That I think would really come up, uh, come to a, a great sort of battle between the two of them. So I, I would say Tarzan and Quasimodo. And who's my money on? Quasimodo, baby. Come on. You see those forearms, dog? You see those forearms? He is going to handle Tarzan. Handle Tarzan. Quasimodo wins my cage, cage match fight uh, versus Tarzan for sure. So thank you, Alyssa. Uh, the next question comes from Jeremy, and he left me a handful of questions, mostly are quotes from the Chappelle show, which I really appreciated. And then he asks the, the deepest of questions. Who are the five best rappers of all time? And this took me a while because I, I don't like talking Mount Rushmore's. I don't like talking top five best. I don't, you know, I think that you can, art is able to be interpreted in many different ways. And depending on how you do interpret the art of hip hop, the art of rap, your Rushmore is going to look a little bit different. Uh, are you leaning towards more of the lyricism? Or are you leaning more towards the production tied with the lyricism? Is production part of that rapper's persona? Or is that attributed to a producer? And how do you really discern that? So this actually took me a while to think through and provide an accurate representation of my hip hop likes, uh, my rap likes, and who I think I would put in the top five rappers of, of all time. And so here we go. Starting at number five for me, top five rappers of all time. The Splash Mountain rappers from the Disneyland sing-along. Number four, 
Jenny from Blackpink. Number three, Robert from Four Town. It's from Turning Red. Number two, Jojo Siwa. And number one, that baking girl from Lazy Town. I'll make sure that a clip plays here. It's a piece of cake, make a pretty cake. It's the way it's hazy. You gotta do the cooking by the book. You know you can't be lazy. Never use a messy recipe. The cake will end up crazy. That, that's my five right there. That's Mount Rushmore right there. The Splash Mountain rappers, they're all one. They're all one collective voice. Jenny from Blackpink, Robert from Four Town, Jojo Siwa, and the Baking Girl from Lazy Town. Those are my top five rappers of all time. In actuality, it's Jay-Z, Nas, Kendrick, Tupac, and Lil Wayne. All right. <laughs> Next up, Michael asks, what up, Mikey D? See you at Walt Disney World. Asks me for my fi- top five drinks at Disney. He needs bartender Kyle to hook it up. So obviously, I've only been to the West Coast parks, uh, and I can't really speak on behalf of Walt Disney World yet. See you in just over a month. But if I had to rank at the Disneyland Resort, and it's really difficult to not lean heavily on beer because that's what I tend to consume most (laughs) when I'm at these parks. Uh, But I will go ahead and here's my top five. Number five, the blended margaritas from Rita's Turbine Blender, which was formerly known as Rita Baja Blenders. These are delicious. You can get them on a rocks. You can get them blended. I suggest getting them blended, especially at this time of the year in which it is scorching hot, scorching hot. And there's nothing better than walking through the park with the slushy margarita with tasty tequila and you're able to just walk around the park with it and uh and you know enjoy your your day your afternoon your evening i really like that stand it's also i've never encountered it when it's super long i've also not been there when uh it's been super hot so i don't really know about the line situation but it's a really quick and easy drink to just enjoy and sip on and kind of give yourself some time to take in the atmosphere of the parks because you're not chugging that blended. You're sipping on that thing. Uh, pro tip, do not go on the Pixar Pal Around uh, uh, you know, Ferris wheel thing after one of those. Because you will, you will feel a little bit woozy after that. Number four is the Neverland Tea from the Cove Bar's secret menu. I don't even know if the Cove Bar is still a thing. It's been years since I've been to Lamplight Lounge and the outdoor bar that is attached to that restaurant. So I don't know if it's called the Cove Bar. I think it might still be. Who knows? Whatever. It's the one that's outside that overlooks the pier. And I feel like the Neverland Tea used to be on the normal menu. And then they took it off. And, and then Disney fans, you know, do the most as they always do and call it like the secret menu. And so I'm pretty sure you can still just order this. It's basically like a theme park Long Island iced tea, you know, like a Long Island iced tea Disneyfied a little bit. So you've got vodka, you've got gin, you've got rum. Those are your three, th- three big hitters. That's your big three right there in this Neverland tea. Then you add a little peach schnapps, mm. a little, little pineapple juice. Mm-mm. Top it off with some Sprite. Ooh. 
and then swirl on in some Midori and it gives it that kind of separated green look. I've made this at home actually uh, before and it's really tasty. It's dangerous. Be warned. Drink responsibly. 21 and up. That's a PSA for Mouse Madness. But it is tasty. Also, pair it with some water and also only drink one because that's one, a lot of alcohols, two, very, very sweet. So the next day, you are not going to be feeling good if you have more than one of those. So pace yourself. Number four is the Neverland Tea from the Cove Bar. Number three, I'm taking it over to the other side of the park. I'm going over to the other side of the Esplanade. I'm heading into Oga's Cantina. I'm getting myself a Jedi mind trick from Oga's. I love this drink. Uh, this, I love Oga's in general. What better place than to be in this kind of rough, rough rider bar with DJ Rex spinning the ones and twos behind you and you're sipping on a nice galactic drink. Jedi mind trick is vodka, falernum, white grape juice, blue curacao, lime juice, and some grapefruit bitters. And this is the more tame of their drinks, which I think is why I like this one, says the DE guy who likes the extravagant drinks. But really, I like those simplified drinks where it's on the rocks. It is meant to be sipped on. It's not going to make my mouth numb like some of the, the, what is it, the fuzzy tauntaun. So I think that when I go in there, I like to think that I'm in like a, a dive bar, but I'm ordering... You know, a rum and coke. <laughs> I'm ordering a galactic rum and coke. Uh, and the, that is the mind trick. Uh, but of course, it's, it's vodka. It's vodka, falernum, blue curacao turns it that nice, light, light, light blue. And you just feel a little fancy with it. Also comes in a cool cup. So that's always fun. So number three is Jedi mind trick from Oga's. Number two, speaking of just the stripped down keeping it real, keeping it classy, sipping on that hard stuff. I'm heading back over to DCA. I'm checking myself into the Carthay Circle Theater and I'm getting an old fashioned. Let me tell you, I don't know what bitters they use. I don't know what simple syrup they're using. I don't know if their oranges are straight from the the orange groves of Anaheim, but something about an old fashioned in Carthay Circle tastes so good. It is always so well balanced. It is always bourbon forward. It is always just a delight to sip on without making you feel like you're sipping straight gasoline. And sometimes that can happen with these old fashions. They're very, very simple drinks. But it's also the environment, right? Like you're in the classiest restaurant in arguably both the parks and you're sitting there sipping on the nicest cocktail, just, just so chilled chilled glass, feeling swanky, feeling like you just watched Snow White premiered. And it's just a, it just adds to the overall vibe, the overall enjoyment. And so I have to say that the, the old fashioned from Carthay Circle is my number two, which brings me to, to my number one, which if you see this video, I got it on. We're heading over to Trader Sam's, everybody, heading over to the Enchanted Tiki Bar. And I am going with a classic here. I'm going with the hippopotamus Mai Tai. This is such a fun, delicious take on a Mai Tai. There's a little bit more uh, fruit juices in this than a normal one. But if I'm sitting out there, whether I'm sitting out on the Trader Sam's Lanai or I'm sitting inside the thematic bar itself, 
nothing makes me feel more like I've I've reached my vacation, I've entered Disneyland than having a hippopotamitai at Trader Sam's. I just love it. And I think I also love it because it combines my love for tiki and tiki drinks with my love for Disney and puts me just outside of the park so I don't feel like I'm in the chaos of a Disneyland. But I'm still surrounded by that Disney magic. I can see the matter, Matterhorn. I can see the monorail pool from, from my seat. I'm surrounded by the towers of the Disneyland Hotel. They have themed the outside to look Polynesian. We got the palms all around me. I love it. I love the vibe and I love that drink. The Hippopotamitai from Jader Sam's is my favorite drink. So here we go. Number five, blended margarita from Rita's Turbine Blenders. Number two, Neverland Tea from the Cove Bar. Number three, the Jedi Mind Trick from Oga's. Number two, the Old Fashioned from Carthay Circle. And number one is the Hippopotamitai from Trader Sam's. Mikey D, see you in Walt Disney World. Thanks for uh, writing in. All right, here we go. No, next question, Z, come from Mandy. Uh, she asked me to, and one is not safe for the main feed. And I don't know that there's really a way for me to twist that one to make it safe for the main feed. So I'm going to stick to the real one, which is, if your life was a Disney Channel original movie, what would the title be? And I'm recording this, you know, less than 24 hours or just at 24 hours since I've posted this thing. So haven't had a ton of time to think on this. But when I think about DCOM titles, they like to get cute, right? They love to get Smart House, Johnny Tsunami, Brink, Teen Beach Movie. They, under wraps, they really like to tie the title into a singular character or into the scenario itself. It's not anything big and grand. It's not Pirates of the Caribbean. It's not something wicked this way comes. It is very specific. It is the Christmas machine, <laughs> right? So I'm, I'm trying to think, you know, what is something that represents where I am in my life right now and, and what, how am I feeling and what would, make, what would be the title of my movie in my current state? And, and so the title I came up with is Fro and Go. Fro and Go. Fro, obviously, I have one. So that represents me. And Go is just how chaotic my life is right now. I'm, I got trips. I start a new job that requires me to go into an office. I have plans here in the Bay constantly. I have things that I always have to take care of. I'm always on the go. And so what adventures, what hijinks will Fro, aka Kyle, get into in this decom? Who knows? Uh, you have to tune in 7, 6 Central on Disney Channel. But yeah, Fro and Go, I guess, would be my decom just because I'm always on the go. Uh, I'm always getting into something. And that's just, that's just the life I live. So, uh, Mandy, I, I'm sorry I didn't answer your first question. Uh, I, maybe I will in, <laughs> in the Instagram chat. Who knows? All right. Madeline asks, uh, and oh yeah, obviously, um, Mandy, former guest host. And uh, Madeline is a uh, maybe a listener. I don't know. She's just a great support of our show. Uh, always following along and, and, you know, being great. Madeline asks, gifts to give Disney obsessed friends. And this is a great question and also a complicated one. I think that it, the Disney fandom seems very uniform. It seems very singular. 
Uh, we all love the movies. We all love the parks. We all love everything the brand puts out. But when it comes to getting gifts and giving gifts, it, I think it's really important to understand what about Disney that person likes. Are they a parks person more than a movies person? If they're a parks person, are they you know uh, obsessed with a certain ride or a certain aspect of the parks? If they're a movie person, what is their favorite movie? Do they have a favorite character from that movie? And then you got to just understand like what their life is like, <laughs> right? What do they need? Do they need a park ticket to go visit the parks? And, you know, here's 150 bucks on a on a Disney gift card. Go get what you want. Or are they a collector and you want to get them uh, movie art or you want to get them a parks poster or you want to get them figurines or pins? It's really specific. So like. People tend to get me Disney gifts and I'm, I, I, I've been saying it for the past two years. I don't need anything else. I don't want anything else. No more Disney things. Please, no more Disney things. But people do really like their art. People really do like the, the collectible things. So I think that the safest thing to do is just find out what they've probably posted on Instagram and see latch on to a character latch on to a theme and then get something from that whether it's a poster whether it's a print whether it's a pin um and if all else fails get them a gift card i think disney obsessed people would love a disney gift card because that allows them to be flexible with it i can go to the disney store if those exist anymore i can go to disneyland i can go on uh, disneyland.com i could purchase tickets with that gift card uh so I think that you you can't really go wrong if you just know what specifically about Disney they like. Uh, And if it's anything, just get them something Disney branded. Who cares? (laughs) All right. Thank you, Madeline. Next question. It's actually multiple questions. So I'm going to do a little lightning round style for this one. Uh, It comes from Daphne, who's been on our most patriotic show. Uh, I think she was on another one as well. I just dive. My memory is absolutely awful. But Daphne asks multiple questions, four of them, in fact. And so let me rattle off some answers here uh, because we still have a few questions to get to. I don't want this podcast to be an hour of me talking by myself. So I'm going to do my, the best I can to, to lightning lane these things. Lightning lane, Jesus. <sighs> the Disney adult is showing. All right, lightning round. Here we go. The first question is, you can only listen to one Disney movie soundtrack for the rest of your life. What is it? And I think this is a, an incredible question. Uh, I have an answer for like the one soundtrack I will listen to, but then I wanted to take it a little step further. And I really think about Disney and the Disney media that I consume in three parts. I think of Disney animated. I think of Disney live action. I think of Pixar. Like to me, and maybe that's just because I grew up with those being the entities that made up Disney. That's what I think of. And so I have I have one soundtrack for each of those. Uh, Disney animated the soundtrack soundtrack I would listen to for the rest of my life. Tarzan. Absolutely, there is nothing current. Like I don't want to listen to Justin Canto for the rest of my life. I don't want to listen to just Frozen for the rest of my life. I don't even want to listen to just Moana for the rest of my life. The timelessness that is Phil Collins on that Tarzan soundtrack. Tarzan soundtrack is perfection so animated soundtrack would be tarzan live action soundtrack would be mary poppins you probably know why love that soundtrack love the songs on it 
Love the score on it. I could listen to that nonstop, even today if I wanted to. So live action would be Mary Poppins and Pixar would be turning red. Because that score by Ludwig, Ludwig Gorenson is perfection. The songs by Fortown, perfection. I love it a lot. So that would be my Pixar pick. But if I could only choose one Disney soundtrack to listen to for the rest of my life, I am going Mary Poppins. I'm just going Mary Poppins. I'm skipping uh, Step in Time because who needs it? But everything else is banger after banger. Great playlist. That's why it won Best Disney Playlist. Uh, and I, I'm about it. So those, that's my answer for the first question. Mary Poppins. Number two, if you weren't married, which, which Toy Story character would you marry? Andy's mom. Andy's mom has got it going on. That's all you need. All right, number three, stop world hunger or get Disney all to yourself anytime you wanted. Uh, I would stop world hunger. I'd rather people eat than my ability to go to the Disney parks and own them by myself. Also, going uh, to the park and having it to myself sounds actually miserable. (laughs) I don't like going with people and having people around is part of the enjoyment. It's part of the energy. If I went to Disneyland and the parks were empty, that would be great for me to go on rides. But you miss that that vibe. You miss that energy. You miss the busyness, the kineticness. You, you just miss it all. So I think you need people there. And her final question is, save a kitten's life or teleport to Disney anytime you want. And now I'm assuming that this means... One one single kitten is, is dying and needs to be saved. And I can save that single kitten and, and it will live a ha- happy and healthy life. Or I don't and I'm able to teleport to the Disney parks anytime that I wanted. And to that I say, rest in peace, Whiskers. Because your boy is going to Disney World. I am teleporting to Animal Kingdom. I am then jumping over to Hong Kong Disneyland. And then on my way back home, I'm stopping by Paris. Sorry, Whiskers. R.I.P. Plenty of other cats in this world. I'm going to Disney World. All right. Next question is from Tess, who also powerhouse Tess who has also hit me with multiple questions. So let's, I, I'll try not to spend too much time on these. We all know 101 Dalmatians is your favorite. Yes, it is. But who's your favorite character from the movie? Which is a great question. And I appreciate this question. I think that I would have to go two ways here. Um, one being the one that I like, definitely like the most. Number one, or I guess number two, would be Jasper. Jasper is one of Cruella's henchmen. And I like him because he is a man who is just getting paid to do a job and he cannot wait to get out of that situation. He, un- he knows that Cruella is setting them up for failure. He knows that Horace is an idiot, but he also sees the payday at the end. So he can put up with the nonsense and get the job done because he knows that once he gets that money, he's out. He he can rid himself from this craziness. 
So, and I like that. I, I, there's something relatable to the, I'm just here so I don't get fined energy that Jasper gives. So Jasper would probably be my like, second favorite, but my number one favorite is Cruella. I just love not only like her character design, but I love the evilness. I love that there's this craziness to her that up until the live action film wasn't really explained. And she's just pure evil. She just wants to take these animals and make them for use them for their fur. And that's nuts. But we don't really need to know why. And that's that was the beauty of it, especially as we're going through this movie from the perspective of a dog. The dogs don't really need to know why. <laughs> they don't really care. They can't even comprehend why things would get done. They just know it's happening. And so to see her just as this maniacal, egotistical, just blinders on, eyes on the prize type villain stomping over everything and anyone in her way. I just love that. I love it a lot. So Cruella is definitely my favorite 101 Dalmatians character. Next question, which of the seven dwarves do you most identify with? Uh, Sleepy. Sleepy. I am an exhausted boy most of the time. I am sleepy a lot. Sleepy, I get him. And then her final question here is, uh, it's, you know, I made this safe for feed, safe fish for feed. So uh, I don't know if your kids don't know the birds and the bees <laughs> and you don't want them to go ahead and skip ahead. Like, I don't know, 30 seconds, because I'm going to do uh, a bit here. Sleep. I guess it's sleep with Mary kill. <laughs> so who who of these three choices? Would I sleep with? Who would I marry? And who would I just kill? Wouldn't be in the roster at all. Here are her choices she's given me. Bedroom eyes, Nala. Can you feel the love tonight, Nala? From The Lion King. Strangers like me outfit, Jane. So from Tarzan. And then let it go, Elsa. And I, I feel like this is kind of a layup. I love these three choices because it's not necessarily who you think it's not three princesses it's you know it's it's not uh the the obvious choices but they're good choices and it also lines up pretty pretty easily for me here so who am i killing nala r.i.p sorry but the the lion is going <laughs> that leaves uh strangers like me outfit jane and and uh and elsa from the let it go sequence i am definitely sleeping with jane Absolutely. And then I am marrying Elsa because I like Elsa, like I think has that kind of maternal, um, you know, wife ability about her. She really wants to have the the good of the, the people there with her. I would I and I'm not one to antagonize and I won't make her mad. And so she's not going to freeze me up. Uh, but I think that there's some stability about her. Jane, uh, she is out here on adventures. I don't think I would see her very often. I don't think I can marry somebody like that. Uh, but she is hot. And I, I guess I, I, would, I would sleep with her. So uh, marrying Elsa, killing Nala, and, and sleeping with Jane. <laughs> Thanks, Tess. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Bryn asks uh, a question here. And, and Bryn is a member of Jerry's gang. I believe came in second place in the last trivia. 
maybe even won the thing. I don't remember. Um, but she asks, if you could ride one ride for the rest of your life at Disneyland slash, slash DCA, what would it be and why? And this is such a great question. It's such a great question. I'm going to cheat. I'm going to go ahead and give two answers. <laughs> I'm going to do which ride from each park would I ride for the rest of my life. Disneyland, I think obviously if you know me, if you listen to this show, it would absolutely be Pirates of the Caribbean. This is an attraction that I've loved my entire life. And if I was going to the park and could only ride one ride on like a trip, it would probably be that one. It's it's a lengthy ride, so I'd feel like I'm I'm getting my experience out of the time from it. Uh, and it's definitely more calm than going on a coaster or experiencing something like Rise of the Resistance or Smuggler's Run or Star Tours. It's a little bit more peaceful, but you still feel that Disney immersion. So I would feel like if it's the only ride I could go on for the rest of my life, I'm still getting the Disney out of it. And I really like that. So Pirates would be the one ride that I'd ride for the rest of my life at Disneyland. And at DCA, like this is a big toss up. I think it's like, for me, it's between the Grizzly River Run and Radiator Springs Racers. I like Grizzly River Run because it has that like nostalgia element for me. It is one of the only remaining opening day 2001 attractions and has basically remained the same in scope and in, in theme since its opening day. So it's nice to have that intention of the park being this place where you can experience California in a nutshell still there and still available for people to go on. But it falls out because I don't want to get wet every single time I go to these attractions. So like I'm not going to do that. I'm going to have to go with Radiator Springs Racers because that is something that you get a little bit of everything out of. You get the thrills from, you know, the racing part. You get the dark rides that Disney is known for once you enter the the canyon itself or the mountain range itself. Uh, You get an incredible soundtrack that Disney is also well known for for these attractions Uh, and the leisure of a transportation ride. It's wonderful. It's beautifully themed. Uh, the queue itself is awesome. I just like that one a lot. So Disneyland would be Pirates if I could only go on one attraction for the rest of my life. And uh, Radiator Springs Racers for Disneyland California or Disney California Adventure. So uh, thank you, Bryn. All right. Anuj is joining us uh, here. And he was on, I, th- I believe, a Marvel bracket. And he asks for my hottest Disney take. And I don't think that I have heaters like Chris has heaters. Like I, I have opinions and they tend to sway more towards the popular opinion than they do the, the, you know, the counter opinion, the anti-antithetical opinion. But I'm going to go ahead and say that my hottest Disney take is that the Little Mermaid anime is that the Little Mermaid. See, I'm all flustered. Can't even get it out because I'm not used to being this hot. The Little Mermaid animated movie from 1989 is garbage. That, that, that is my take. We all talk about how, you know, the, the Rescuers wasn't a very good movie. And even, you know, for anything, uh, Sword in the Stone might not be a very good movie. And, and even, uh, what's the other one? The Great Mouse Detective might not be a very good movie. But to me, it's The Little Mermaid. And the only thing that is saving that film from complete garbage destruction is, are the songs. The songs really make that film. But otherwise, I don't necessarily understand the hype. 
Uh, I think that it's it's sporadic in nature. I don't think that the plot and story is very strong. Uh, I think that it's resolved way too quickly. Uh, and I just don't think it's that engaging. I We've talked about this before. Chris and I had watched it uh, right before doing one of the big uh, animated film brackets. And it was just like, I don't remember it being this bad. <laughs> so for me, for sure. My hottest Disney take is that these, uh, that the Little Mermaid animated 1989 movie is trash. Thank you, Anoush. All right, number 12, 12th question here I'm trying to answer off is from Marissa, who's been on multiple podcasts, is also a travel agent. She's a big part of the Disney community. We love her. Uh, she asks me, what's my top 10 Disney bucket list? So let me just rattle these things off because I haven't thought about top 10 bucket lists. There's, you know, a few things that I want to do. So I really had to stretch this one out. And it's exciting because I'm actually probably going to accomplish some of these uh, on the next Disney World trip. So here we go. Top 10. Number one or number 10. I guess it's not really in any order. I want to get uh, a plaid at the parks for a day. I want a VIP tour, uh, whether they're giving me history or just getting me on rides. I want that VIP treatment for a day. Chris on his Chris on Chris on his Chris report. Chris on his trip report told us about a VIP trip that he took uh, when he was working uh, on a trip to Disneyland. Lucky him! And uh, if you're part of Jerry's gang, you should go listen to that because it's really interesting how he saw it. But I would love to experience it myself. Number two, I would love to get a a tour of Walt Disney Animation Studios. I mean, want to see where the magic happens. Number three, I would want to get a tour of the Walt Disney Archives. Me being the history guy, I would love to see these artifacts. I would love to dive into some of the, the books and the texts and the memos and the pieces of art that they have stored for safety in the archives uh, to really document the history of this company. I think that would be really dope. Number four, I would want to take a Disney cruise. Preferably, I think when I have a family, if I have a family, I would want to go on the Disney cruise. I don't think as a single you know couple nina and i would want to go on a disney cruise together uh, but i think it would be great to bring like a family to next one eat at club 33 in disneyland the private lounge i need i need a homie to hook it up if anybody on this podcast knows a homie who wants to bring me to club 33 for dinner i would gladly take up that invitation don't remember where i am but the next one is visit trader sam's over on the east coast about to get checked off Next one, I guess, is number six. Yeah, number six. I think so. Nope, number seven. Uh, drink around the world in Epcot. Again, might get fulfilled. Uh, number eight, I would love to meet the best Disney Bob, Bob Gurr. Uh, but the clock's ticking on that one. So I'm not sure that's going to happen. Uh, and then number nine is that I would love to have a multi-night stay at the Grand Californian at Disneyland Resort. I've done that hotel as a kid for multiple nights uh but i want to do like the full experience the spa experience the dinner experience i want to like be engulfed in the resort type energy for multiple nights uh but i gotta strike gold if i want to do that <laughs> and then my uh, my last one is visit all of the disney parks across the world and i think that's something that marissa who asks this question has actually done uh so i do want to go to all of them it sounds like i'm going to knock off all of the domestic parks here on this trip I've been to Tokyo Disney Sea, but there's, you know, the handful that I haven't been to. So I would love to do that. So that's my bucket list. 
get a plaid for a day, go to animation studios, get a tour of the archives, take a Disney cruise, eat at Club 33, visit East Coast Trader Sam's, drink around the world in Epcot, visit Bob Gurr and meet him, have a multi-night stay at the Grand Californian, and then visit all of the Disney parks. So that's my bucket list, I guess. So thank you, Marissa. And then this final question, this is how we'll end this episode, uh, comes from Chris. He couldn't be here. He couldn't partake in this conversation. And he's off grinding it out, trying to make a living to be here in the Bay Area. <laughs> and we appreciate him for that. Uh, and so his final question for this listener mail is, why do you like Disney so much? And we've constantly had kind of these side conversations together uh, Chris and I as friends, and we've also brought it up on podcasts in the past about, you know, the Disney adult stereotype and how we feel we fit into the fan community and, and why we fit into the fan community. But why do I like it so much? And I think this answer is it's a bit rambly. I don't know that it's going to be precise in any way because it's such a big question of why you like something. Why do you like baseball so much? Why do you like this team so much? Uh, there's a lot that goes into it. But I think right off the top, we can I, I can distinct uh, my, my fandom from the, the company to the brand. Not a fan of the company, especially in the current state. Like I'm not going to be a fan of this massive global media conglomerate that is not paying its employees what it should. Uh, you see a lot of execs getting these outrageous bonuses when their parks employees are barely making money to live in Southern California, probably in Florida as well, uh, and who are supporting other studios in trying to outlast this actors and writers strike. Like It's all big, evil corporation stuff. And I, I separate that. I separate the art from the artist a little bit in that way uh, in which, you know, like I'm not going to go see every film in theaters, right? Like I didn't see Elemental. Um, I didn't see Strange World. Like I will be able to put my, you know, money where my mouth is and, and voting on how I support this company. Um, but I also want to support those artists. And I think that's really important. And so I will, for the, the things that I like, go and see it. But I'm not a fan of the company. I think I'm more a fan of the brand and what that brand really represents. And to me, it's, it's all about the story. It's all about immersion. And it's all about creating memories, whether it's, it's films, whether it's park experiences, whether it's what it tries to convey in anything that their brand really puts out. It's this shared experience of just joy and and happiness uh and and like a healthy distraction almost i grew up as kind of like a disney kid fan <laughs> if that makes sense you know we had the disney channel we were going to disneyland once a year uh and then later on i found that we have a lot of connections to the artists in my family uh that shows why we've been like my family's been Disney fans for, you know, a couple of generations now. We had family that helped found the Chenard Institute, which became Cal Arts, which is where all of the Disney animators go to school. So like there's this weird kind of bloodline connection. 
Um, but I also have just this, it just gives me this joy from a consumption standpoint. I love to watch the great stories that they tell. I love to watch the nostalgic stories that they've told. I love to be immersed in their optimism at the parks. Uh, I love to feel safe at their parks. And that makes me a big fan as well. I do feel like I can go someplace and, and not be attacked <laughs> or, or, you know, not be, not feel like an outsider. I, I really like that. Uh, but there's also like this historical aspect. It's a fascinating company that was built on failure most of the time and chance. Walt doesn't move out west, then like we don't really have a Disney. Walt doesn't keep putting in, you know, these outrageous sums of money and taking out these ridiculous bank loans and failing film after film uh, without any of that and rebounding and finding the little wins. We don't have what we have today. It's it's just interesting. And like it's it's more than just Walt. It's the creators, it's the animators, it's the, every person that this brand has built its back on and in most cases you know we're experiencing an era of it right now there was an era after the golden age that they experienced it but for the most part there's a lot of passion that goes into the disney product and you can see the love that's put into the art of the films you can see the attention to detail and the passion that's put into the parks and I respect and like that because they're they're doing it because they love it and they're doing it because they want us to love it too. I think that's really cool. It doesn't feel like it's a it's strictly a, a financial transaction uh, when I go see a Disney movie or if I'm going to a Disney park. It feels like I am investing my time in and money into joy and happiness and creating a lot of incredible memories along the way. Like, you know, Every trip that I've gone on, there's been something incredible that has happened that has been just really fun. Uh, we went to Disneyland uh, and and we met up with, you know, Brendan Ariel came with us and we met up with Tess and like we had just this incredible night at Carthay Circle where they were giving us free drinks because the service was slow and uh, it like just being in Carthay and hanging out and like having these memories together was super awesome. I remember when I saw Bugs Life in theaters with my mom and my grandma. Like that's a really cool memory to have and be able to keep and and know exactly where I was because I liked that movie so much and it allowed me to make a really wholesome memory with my family, right? So like why do I like it so much? I think it's because it's been such a part of my life and it's it's a gorgeous art company. It's a fantastic media company actually strike all of that. It's a gorgeous art brand and me- and media brand. And I feel like I can really resonate with a lot of the stories that they tell. Now, do I think that I need to partake in everything? No, I don't really care for much of the acquisition stuff that they've done. Like I don't, I'm not really a Marvel guy. I'm not really a Star Wars guy. Uh, I don't really care for all of their movies, but they don't need to be perfect. And I think that once you can get over that, like I think that people think that making things Disneyfied is making it perfect. Like Disney has never been perfect. The brand has never been perfect. And they've shown that through throughout their history that they've never been perfect. So there's this false narrative that like Disneyfication is making something perfect or or watered down. Like, no. They've had their ups and downs. They've had their bumps and and it's 
you know, and these artists have been able to tell these really powerful stories in ways that literally have never been done before. So why do I like Disney? I like it because it, it brings me that joy. I have the nostalgia for it. And I do enjoy what they bring today. I don't know if that answered that question at all. Felt like a bit of a ramble. But so has this whole entire episode. It's just been a bunch of questions and, and Kyle gets to ramble on some answers. So hope you all, uh, I don't know if you enjoyed that. <laughs> I need a glass of water. I'm parched. But I hope you all like that um, or at least like the answers or you felt like that was a fun exchange. And if you did, uh, we could do some more of these. Sometimes we need to take a break from the brackets. We need to have a filler and this is a great way to do it. And we like to see what's on top of your minds. A lot of you like to troll. <laughs> There's a lot of troll questions in there, uh, but that's that's what makes this community so fun. So thank you all to submitted a, a question. A lot of you folks are in Jerry's gang. Jerry, if you're interested in knowing about Jerry's gang, like this is the group of people. Like they are so great. You would have so much fun at our trivia nights. Like come join us September 17th at 7 p.m. Pacific. Uh, and and just get involved with us, man. We're, we're a fun group and uh, we like to have fun on this podcast. So that brings me to the end of this listener mail. Again, thank you all for submitting some questions. Join us for trivia on September 17th. Join Jerry's gang at patreon.com slash mouse madness. Follow us on socials. Search it. I don't need to go through the links. Uh, and like, if you have any suggestions for the shows, for the brackets, if you want a guest host, go ahead and just email us at massmenacepodcast at gmail.com. Would love to hear from you uh, because if we can tailor this show to what you all want, uh, that's just going to be a beneficial relationship for the both of us. So again, appreciate your time. Hope you enjoyed this solo episode. Hopefully uh, I didn't ramble too much or get off course or you just don't care about this. I don't know. Who cares? <laughs> uh, I hope you have a great rest of your week and we'll see you on the other side with a brand new bracket that's been voted on by Jerry's gang themselves. They've chosen this next bracket. I'm super excited. We'll dive all into it next time. Have a great week. See you later.